St. Louis Mayor Francis Slay has developed a sophisticated and successful political organization, but now he might be facing his biggest challenge yet in the fight to keep St. Louis's earnings tax. The Democratic official joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to say. I say hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Colleague Joe Manis. And our very special guest this afternoon is... Francis Slay, Mayor of the City of St. Louis. Thankfully coming in studio not via phone, much to the chagrin of Richard Callow. (laughs) Thank you very much for for joining us. This is actually... That's an inside joke. it's It's a very inside joke. Thank you for joining. This is actually your second time on the show you were on in 2013. Uh, we, we recounted your life story then, so we're going to spare our listeners then because we have a lot to talk about. This is a busy time in the city of St. Louis. It's an important time in the city of St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, and, and about two weeks, uh, St. Louis voters will be going to the polls, correct? That's correct, April 5th. And, and, and there'll be various issues on the ballot, but the one that's we're particularly interested in, I mean, you can mention the others, but we're particularly interested in the um, high-profile fight over the earnings tax and— uh, wealthy financier Rex Singfeld funding a, over $2 million to the opposition, which is now running ads, doing mailers, et cetera. So I'm just interested in your thoughts about, I mean, as you're trying to explain why the city has a tax and what should be done about it. Well, the, the, the earnings tax has been in place since 1959. It, we are not unique. The city of St. Louis is not unique. There's over 4,000 cities in America that have earnings taxes that range anywhere from 1% to 4%. We're on the r- low end. We're at a 1% tax, uh, as Kansas City is as well. There's, there's other major cities like Cincinnati and Cleveland and New York and uh, Louisville, uh, um, uh, Philadelphia, and, and others uh, that have earnings taxes. And, uh, you know, a city, uh, it's important when you have a a tax structure, it's important that you have a variety of taxes so that you're not relying on any one. But the earnings tax is one that is, it's fair, it's broad-based, and it generates about a third of our general operating budget. So that's about $164 million that the earnings tax uh, generates. Our general operating budget is $492 million. That's the money we use to pay for police, for for, for, for fire department, for uh, city services, streets, uh, traffic, uh, parks, recreation, forestry, uh, the prosecutor's office, the courts, um, the election board. Those are things that come out of our, our general operating budget. And um, so uh, losing that tax would be devastating to the city of St. Louis. And losing it without a, uh, a plan uh, to uh, replace it would even be would be irresponsible and, and reckless, and and that's the concern. Uh, and the other thing, so so I'll leave it at that. That's that's well, that's a I big issue. Well, I wanted to ask us. you this because I'm actually on your website right now, mayorslay.com. That's a plug, by the way. And I'm reading the testimony you gave to the General Assembly about bills that would have gotten rid of the earnings tax. And your opening statements, you say the following. I agree with the conclusion that the city's earnings tax, a 1% local tax levied on those who live or work in the city, is a disincentive to some residents and businesses. Nevertheless, everyone who pays the earnings tax benefits from the services provided by the city. Can you kind of elaborate on the first paragraph? Because it seems from that statement you think that there are some economic 
issues with the earnings tax being in place. Well, there's there's an economic issue with any tax being in place. Right. So all things equal, uh, any tax can be a disincentive. Uh, and there is, a, I mean, so it's, and particularly if you have, for example, you have higher uh, property taxes or, or sales taxes uh, than your surrounding areas. I mean, any tax that you have uh, could have a, uh, a, a, you know, provide you for, with some kind of a disincentive. And, and notice I said to some. And I also said in those hearings that uh, the amount of disincentive or the, 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 the extent of it is, is subject to debate. So the thing is that um, any kind of tax uh, can be a, a disincentive or can put you at some kind of a competitive disadvantage. So having a broad base of tax is fine. The other thing is that you know we need to make sure we have the, the resources necessary to run the services that we have. The earnings tax, even by a study that was paid for by uh, those that are opposing the earnings tax, uh, that their their own study shows that the earnings tax actually is a broad-based tax and is if and is one it's broad-based and and without exemptions. So there are, um, you know, there's some there's some positive things about the earnings taxes as well. So if if you got rid of the earnings tax, the, the big challenge is now what would you do to ki- to fill the big the big gap the big hole? Uh, a study done by uh, those that are uh, opposing it was paid for by Rex Singfield. Um, came up with the conclusion that while um, there, the, 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 first of all, the, the alternative sources of uh, revenues are not sufficient to fill the gap, not right. even close. And secondly, that they may well have a worse economic effect on uh, the city of St. Louis and on our on our budget. So those are things that are that are real. So this is this is complicated stuff, and some people try to make it real simple. But the earnings tax is a tax that we rely on now. And if we're going to replace it, it's got to be done in a way that's going to uh, be responsible and be able to fill uh, the huge gap that this thing would uh, would have. Well, one of the things city residents may not realize is that about 70% of the tax actually is paid by people who do not live in the city. They either live in the county or St. Charles or wherever. And so if it was eliminated, wouldn't it basically be put on the backs of St. Louis residents not only to f- replace their own portion, but to replace that 70% that's paid by somebody else. I mean, is there any other way to, I mean, they've run into this with the um, museum district thing, is that you've got all these people outside the city who are in to either work or whatever who pay the tax. So how would you be able to replace it without the city residents actually paying three times what they pay now. Well, th- that's the challenge. And for those uh, that are, again, opposing the earnings tax, uh, one thing is something that we all can agree on, that uh, if you if the earnings tax goes away, there'll be real consequences to the people of St. Louis. What, several things would have to happen. First of all, you'd have to um, uh, do a combination of uh, increasing other taxes, you know, like sales taxes and property taxes and other kind of taxes, and uh, or um, reduce services, both of which would have a uh, economic uh, or would have a negative um, effect on the city and our ability to compete as well. So it would also have a disincentive effect. And the other thing it does is, as you mentioned, as you uh, noted, that 
uh, a big portion of the earnings tax is paid by people who work in the city but live elsewhere, but they benefit by the services that we provide, our police protection, our fire protection, the ambulance services, our streets, uh, the traffic signals, the parks. People come in and they visit in the parks and they do. So all these things take maintenance. So our, our, our daytime population is a lot uh, bigger than it is, you know, in, in the evening because a lot of people come into the city and work and they benefit by the services. So sharing that with them is, is I think, smart and I think it's fair. If you took that $160 million of, of, of earnings tax and you put it all on the citizens of St. Louis, um, the people of St. Louis would, 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 ha- would have higher taxes and poor would suffer even more. And I'll tell you why. People on low incomes cause, uh, because uh, with the earnings tax, it's only under an income. So if you're on Social Security, you don't pay you know, earnings tax on Social Security. You don't pay earnings tax on retirement benefits, on pensions. Um, so people, if you're not if you're retired, you're not paying earnings taxes, but you're paying sales taxes, you're paying property taxes, you're paying other kind of taxes. The bur- the that burden of taxes that now is shared with people outside the city will now go on to city residents. I think that would be unfair, and I think it would be devastating to our city. And again, that would provide a disincentive for people to live in the city of St. Louis. So, yeah, while somebody can argue that there is a disincentive for some, and I've I've mentioned that before, um, you know, there's there's a lot of disincentives out there. Not, having an earnings tax provides uh, some disincentive to some, but in fact, the alternatives, even according to the study that was paid for by Greg Singfield, could have even worse economic impacts. Well, why do you think, okay, the earnings tax was put in place in 1959, and while there was some controversy at the time, there really hasn't been that much controversy about it until the last six or seven years. Why do you think all of a sudden there's been this focus on it after it had been in effect for 50 years? Well, it's, this is an issue that was brought up by one person, by, by Rex Singfield. This is something he believes very strongly, that earnings taxes and um, – and, uh, Income taxes, he's trying to get rid of the income tax at the state level as well. Uh, he believes they're jobs killers. He, he truly believes that. That's his, his position. And uh, he's actually written a book uh, on that as well. But um, I, I want to point out that there was actually a study that he paid for uh, that, sa- that says um, completely repealing the earnings tax would not be without risk to, the city service, to city services, the city's general obligation credit rating, uh, and the city's overall fiscal integrity. That came from a report, the PFM report, that was paid for by um, uh, a, a, an organization that's fully funded by Rex Singfield. You mean the Show Me Institute? Or no, it's, somebody uh, else? It's, uh, it's Missouri Council for, better, for a Better Economy. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's another Rex Singfield group. So, but why do you think, I mean, but still, getting, getting back to this issue, why, after it was over 50 years before all of a sudden people have been focusing on it, and while Sinkfeld's been putting all the money behind it, he's there's you know, a number of legislators who are looking at it now as well. Maybe because of him. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But the, my point being is why do you think it's got so much focus since, I guess, 2009, 2010? Why? I, I don't know. He's the, one that can, he's the only one that can answer that question. I have no idea. Other than I know, he feels very strongly about this. He believes that uh, uh, that it is an issue that he wants to deal with. He thinks it's better for the city and for his future. I disagree with him on that issue. Uh, there's a Brookings study that was done uh, in, in December of 2015, and it says uh, that, and I quote, we show that different sources of tax revenues have dramatically different impacts on growth, with property taxes exerting negative effects 
and income and corporate taxes usually exerting positive effects. This is, again, uh, in con- really in contrary to uh, the, uh, his theme and his approach to the earnings tax. Look, I don't think we're perfect. I think we, have, we do have a diverse tax structure. Uh, the earnings tax is a, a, uh, a huge part of our general operating budget, as I said, about a third of, of, of all the money we collect for that. And, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm open to ideas on how we can have a better structure. But just to eliminate the earnings tax without a, a, a plan in place to, to replace it, is is reckless and irresponsible. I was doing some um, research on the Missouri Ethics Commission website before our show, and I saw that since 2009, you've taken $425,000 either from Rexingfeld or from Rexingfeld PACs. Now, obviously, his views on the earnings tax have been known, and I know that you probably have more favorable uh, opinions with him on other issues. But given now that he's put $2 million into this, do you have any regrets about taking so much money from this donor? Absolutely not. Um, the, uh, I represent the people of St. Louis. I don't represent Rex Singfield. So it's real simple for me. If, if somebody wants to support my candidacy, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take campaign donations uh, to get my message out, to make sure I can you know, uh, push forward the agenda that I, that's important to the people of St. Louis. And... Um, and that's that's where you know that's where my my loyalty lies with the people of St. Louis. So, taking the contributions, you know, it's why it's, do you think he's donated so much money to you? Um, I like to think that he believes that uh, I'm a competent manager for city government. That I represent the people of St. Louis and the region well. He does he does care about the city. Uh, obviously, this is we and I disagree strongly on this. Right. He has made St. Louis um, chess capital of the, of the United States, I think, which is, which is very good. He's involved in the arts. He's involved in education. He's involved with Boy Scouts. Uh, he's involved with St. Louis University. I mean, there's a lot of things. So right. th- this isn't his only agenda. And um, I think what's important to uh, Rex, I believe, uh, we're, we disagree vehemently on this. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not happy about this at all, believe me. But uh, I think he believes that uh, I bring uh, a lot of talent to the position and a lot of good people with me in my office and in my cabinet to help move the city forward. Yeah, I just ask because, again, there are some issues that Democrats agree with him on, like city-county merger things and some educational issues. But when, when, when candidates from both parties have taken his money, they've been under some pretty intense criticism from liberal progressive groups. I mean, knowing that, did that ever give you pause before you accepted so much money, especially now that he's could, you know, essentially blow up the city's budget with this? Well, let me see. The, the, the campaign contributions that he made has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on here with the earnings tax. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. uh, from his standpoint or my standpoint. So the fact is that if, if he wants to give me money mm-hmm. uh, for, for my reelection campaign, uh, as long as he understands, and I believe he does, and I know I understand, mm-hmm. that there's no strings attached, none. Mm-hmm. I represent the people of St. Louis. We, we, we opposed each other uh, on the last round five years ago on the earnings tax. Yeah. He still gave me <laughs> campaign contributions. That's true. That's a good and, point. And we've, oppo- we've opposed him again. So re- let me tell you, Rex, I think, I think he respects me. Uh, I think he likes my leadership style. And I think there's a lot of things he like, what, likes what we're doing with the city, improving education quality, working on you know, economic development, a lot of other things. This is one area where we don't see eye to eye on. Um, and so um, 
And, and so in the end, um, I'm going to keep representing the people of St. Louis, and he's going to keep uh, pushing the agendas that he thinks are important to his ide- ideology, and I'm going to keep pushing them that I think is important to the people of St. Louis. Now, he has put in more than $2 million into the opposition, and they're running TV ads, and they're doing mailers, and I- I'm assuming they're doing phone banks, and ra- I know they're doing radio spots. How do you ca- – I mean, that's a huge amount of money just for the city of St. Louis, although running it on TV means that a lot of people throughout the region are going to see the ads. But how do you counter that? Uh, I mean, you're, it's not, I mean, you've put in some of your yeah, campaign money. I think you money. put in about $100,000 in the opposition. I've gotten some mailers. I think I've gotten two mailers, but continue. But, but how do you – I mean, and especially when he has the capability of writing a $20 million check if he wants to tomorrow. Um so how do you counter that uh, when there's so much money coming in for a rather sophisticated campaign? And I've been hearing some people say that the ad, the TV ads are very persuasive, even if they disagree with it. Yeah. I'm just interested even in Even if they're inaccurate. Even if they're inaccurate. Well, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, but let me talk about okay. your, your, your question there. How do you, how do you counter that? First of all, we, we are not going to be able to come close to matching the money that uh, – Rex can can put into this campaign. I mean, that's a fact. He, he's got $2 million, I understand, in there already, and he can easily double that and triple it or whatever he decides he wants to do. Um, that's not the way I'm going to attack it by throwing money at this thing. First of all, um, the people of St. Louis are really, they really understand this issue very well, a, a lot more so than, than, than a lot of other issues that may come up on the ballot because it's something we've talked about before. Uh, the last time I went to nearly 100 neighborhood meetings talking to people about this earnings tax, now there wasn't any opposition, but 88% of the people supported right. it. So they understand the importance of it. They understand it. So that we, we've got a leg up, and, and they know that. Okay. The other thing is, what in order to approach this, we can't outspend, and we're not trying. Okay. We're going to probably have a couple, you know, $100,000 budget or something like that. But it's going to be grassroots, and I'm working with coalitions of various groups that care deeply about the city and its future and do not want to take a reckless approach uh, to our future. Labor unions, aldermen, uh, my staff, my cabinet members, we're going to meetings. I'm going to meetings. Darlene Green's going to meetings, neighborhood meetings. Uh, We're going to do – we're doing mailers. We're going literature directly to people. Uh, Remind them the importance of this. Try to correct some of the facts, uh, uh, misinformation that's out there. Um, so we're, um, it, it's going to be about, you know, direct contact with the people and, um, and, and a reliance on their um, high level of, of understanding of what this is, what it means, and why it's important. I, I, I was going to say, because I've only lived in the city of St. Louis for about six or seven years now, but I've kind of gotten the sense that the way you run campaigns here is not necessarily running a lot of TV or radio ads, although that does happen in state legislative races and citywide races, but it's really kind of going door to door and getting a lot of the organizational and grassroots support. Is it possible that doing what they're doing and buying a lot of, you know, expensive media may be not the way to get their message across? Given your experience, you've run in city politics now for, what, 20, 30 years now? I think going directly to people, going to neighborhood meetings, doing the grassroots, uh, getting a a diverse group of individuals working on this in in organizations rather than somebody with a big checkbook just just putting out commercials. Don't get me wrong. That's going to have an impact. Yeah. But I think a bigger impact is going to be dealing directly with people. I have confidence in the people of St. Louis. But we're not sitting on our hands. We are working hard every day, every night, 
educating people and, and talking about the importance of this issue. Look, uh, if we're not perfect, as I said, there's no perfect tax. That's another thing that his study um, says. There's no perfect tax, and every one of them has some kind of a, a, a consequence or an impact uh, on, on a city. And uh, so if, if we really were interested in doing this, it, it would be good to have a group of individuals and you know, business citizens, electeds, and others together looking at our total ta- tax um, structure, including earnings taxes, but not just exclusively earnings tax, and find out whether or not there's better uh, uh, ways to, to tax the public, and then come together and present a unified approach to this as we go forward so that we're not fighting with each other, but we're working together towards uh, a um, an end that is ultimately will you know, address some of these issues. Before we transition into NGA, if the uh, no campaign is successful and they start phasing it out, phasing the earnings tax out after 10 years, what is what are city policymakers going to do and how are they going to respond to that? Well, it would um, go into effect immediately and we'd have to start cutting our budget, I think, believe, beginning by January 1st of which, which actually is in the fiscal year starting July 1st of this year. We'd have to start bud- cutting our budget uh, immediately and uh, $16 million short and give you an idea. Well, here's the other thing to keep in mind, okay? First of all, um, we, we always have uh, a tight budget. I mean, we're, we're always trying to do everything we can. We're, we, we, by the way, we pay our bills. Uh, we, uh, or we have an, uh, a single A-plus um, credit uh, bond rating from, the, um, from Standard & Poor's because we manage our money well. We're paying our bills, we balance our budget, but that doesn't mean we're, we're flush with cash. So we have, um, for example, um, we've eliminated nearly 1,000 jobs since I've been in office. Now, vast you mean majority, city jobs, yeah. City jobs since I was in office and in the city, and this was as a result of our efforts to, to address our, our economic situation, you know? So that's, that's why we're, we're managing our budget well. But, you know, we have fewer cops than we really need. Uh, we have a lot of infrastructure issues that aren't being paid for, and that's not even taken into consideration under the study RECs paid for, a, a projected $75 million gap between our projected revenues and, and our projected expenses over the next 10 years. Um, there's a $75 million gap that um, I think is something we, we need to be working on um, b- before we start talking about getting rid of our, the earnings tax. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So uh, while we're managing money well, we have good credit rating, uh, there's still a lot of need, unmet needs that we need to address. Uh, and by the way, the study that he had printed, that he had done, um, has a $130 million gap over a 10-year period in um, the earnings taxes. Uh, if we lost the earnings taxes, a $130 million gap after we take into consideration the proposals for replacing the tax with other things and cutting services. We'd still have a $130 million gap. Now, you mentioned that the ads are inaccurate. Without getting into all of it, can you at least talk about the the basic inaccuracy you think that's in the the TV ads? Well, the the, the fact is that there's this thing that there's these rich, you know, lawyers are getting all these benefits and and the poor people are, you know, having to pay uh, a bulk of the taxes you know, simply is, let me tell you this. First of all, everybody pays the earnings tax. They pay it. Uh, there is, nobody's exempt from playing, paying the earnings tax. 
And so that's something that I think has been, um, and so we'd have to look at each individual ad because I can point things out. Um, for example, they said uh, in one ad that uh, some rich lawyer, uh, his, his earnings tax goes to his fancy office. It doesn't go to paying for police and fire. That's not true. Okay, that's just not true. Um, so what we do is, see, everybody's paying the earnings tax. Uh, that lawyer's paying earnings tax as well. And, um, but aren't there some economic incentives like where they pay the earnings tax and by they I mean like a company and then it's refunded to them? Can you kind of explain how that process works? Yeah, right now we have – there are some cases. Well, what we'll do with a company, let's say – let's like the Polsonelli Law Firm, yeah. okay? They're, they're located in the city of St. Louis. Let's say they have 100 lawyers mm-hmm. and they want to expand. They want to, they want to add more lawyers and they want to improve their um, – the space that they have in a building. You know, they want to make some improvements. Well, we want to keep those jobs and the earnings taxes in the city. So in order to provide an incentive for that, what we will do is say, okay, what we'll do is if you grow, if you add more, more um, lawyers and, and, and uh, secretaries and, and whatever, more employees, that on the growth in your payroll, um, the growth in your payroll, we'll give you a 50% uh, rebate on uh, the growth in the earnings taxes that, that they're paying so that you can help support that. So, yeah. for example, Peabody, we did that for them. They didn't hire any more people, uh, and so they didn't get any rebate, mm-hmm. okay? And it's only 50% of the growth. So the base taxes, they're all paying. We're continuing to keep that in the city. They're not moving anywhere else. And we get a, uh, we get fi- and then 50% of the growth goes back, of the growth goes back to them to help provide for the um, improvements. And once the improvements are done, that goes away. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, on uh, but the other fifty percent we get so we're our taxes are actually going up and at least, and you know we're stabilizing a tax base plus growing it by providing that incentive so everybody's paying it nobody's being cheated out of anything and uh, it is benefiting the people of St Louis because we're keeping those jobs and growing jobs in the city as a result of that so I want to talk about another issue that is is a big deal for St Louis jobs and that's the NGA. The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I think I got that right. Um, NGA. Yeah. NGA. Let's <laughs> just call it NGA for short. Now, this is a almost like a high-stakes tug-of-war between Missouri's biggest and most powerful political officials, the governors involved, both U.S. senators, all the congressmen, you, the county executive, and the most powerful uh, people in Illinois, the two senators there, um, congressmen, local officials. Basically, the decision that NGA will be making is whether to put it in North St. Louis or to put it near Scott Air Force Base. I make this joke every time a St. Louis official comes, but I'm going to take a wild guess that you're for the North St. Louis facility. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes, that's correct. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us where you think we are right now, because I think they're going to make a preliminary decision pretty soon. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be making a um, what they call the um – it's, it's going to be April 1st. They're going to be making the agency provi- preferred alternative. The APA is going to be April 1st. And by the end of May, they'll make a final decision. So we'll have a pretty good idea by April 1st where, where they're heading with this thing. Uh, I feel very good about where we, uh, we, how we've positioned ourselves, I think, on the merits alone, uh, that this um, should be given to the city of St. Louis for a lot of reasons. You know, first of all, um, 
it is this this is an organization that hires uh, a lot of high tech uh, people they're they're looking for a new generation workforce and um, I think it's a very attractive place to be in the city of St. Louis, close to universities, close to Cortex, close to uh, T-Rex, close to the cultural entertainment attractions that we have to provide here. Uh, we have a better uh, transportation infrastructure. Nearly 70% of their employees uh, live in the state of Missouri. Uh, they've had 72 years in the city, and it's been good for them. Uh, everything I hear, they, they really like being in the city of St. Louis. Um, and we have... Um, we also have, um, we're closer to the airport, we're closer to their data center in South County, and we're closer to the workforce, as I talked about. The other thing is, from an environmental standpoint, uh, it's much better to come to St. Louis because you would put, in Illinois, you'd go to a green, uh, basically a cornfield and put a big facility there. Um, and I know there's, there's some environmental issues there, but, uh, but over in St. Louis, we have an area that with a 1.7 a billion dollar investment would really transform an area that has seen a lot of disinvestment, disinvestment environmental issues, um, you know, and infrastructure and all those other things, and really have an opportunity to, to breathe new life in a neighborhood that hasn't seen investment in a long, long time. So, um, so from our standpoint, and the other thing is that we, um, we have uh, we're going to have this. We're going to have to also offer the property for no cost, just like Illinois will do. So putting it here, and the other thing, they take into consideration uh, impact on communities when they make a decision. We're the only community that is is in contention. St. Louis County's got two sites. We do, and Illinois. We're the only we're the only location that will be hurt uh, financially in a big way. By the way, uh, if we don't get chosen, that's something they consider. We also will be if if they pick St. Louis, we will be this. We will be the location that will benefit by far the most by the development. That's something else they considered. We're also a promise zone, which is a designated area. Um, that area is in a, a promise zone, which is designated by the federal government to give preferences for jobs and um, and the contracts and things like that uh, in development. And we're also an SC2 city, which also gives us a a, a preference. And it's close to a. Um, what has been designated as a choice neighborhood. And that's another thing I can talk about, but I don't, we don't have time to. But these are all things that are very compelling arguments to keep these jobs in the city and uh, that will not only benefit uh, the organization and help them with their mission, uh, as uh, Robert Cordillo, the director of the organization NGA Nationally said, we're not in the, in the Cold War anymore. This is, they want to be closer and more connected with communities. Being in the city of St. Louis and North St. Louis can also help them with that mission as well. So I feel good about how we've positioned ourselves, but we all know, you know, when you're in, in government, there, there could be political, uh, you know, components that we can't measure that may have an impact. Right. Now, now, the uh, current site is south of downtown. So what happens to that? I mean, regardless of what, I mean, who gets it, um, you're still going to have to deal with redevelopment or whatever, repurposing where they are now. Is it going to be thoughts? the second Ikea or something like that? You know, we, we, we don't um, – they will not be out of there until probably 2022, so we have okay. some time to talk yeah. about it. Okay. But uh, that's their property. They own it, and, you know, we'll work with them in every way we can to help them with finding a uh, alternative use. We're pretty good about about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I just want to kind of run through a couple of quick counterarguments that Illinois guests have put forward. 
Some have said that if the NGA site is put close to Scott Air Force Base, it will pretty much eliminate any possibility that Scott Air Force Base would ever be shut down. And Scott Air Force Base is a big economic engine for not only Southern Illinois, but also for St. Louis. What do you make of that argument that this would kind of cement Scott's viability for the foreseeable future? I'd make that same argument if I was them. You know, that that's uh, – but, but I will tell you that um, – that's not necessarily the case, that just because they put it there, it would cement their uh, – because really the affiliation between those two, while they do work together, there are military installations all over the world that NGA services, mm-hmm. you know. Um, having a this, this um, uh, intelligence agency next to there, to one of them, isn't going to make – you know, that much difference at all. I, but again, if I was them, I'd be arguing the same the, thing. The other thing that they brought up, and this is kind of something that's actually been in editorial pages uh, in Southern Illinois, is that somehow putting it next to Scott Air Force Base would be mo- quote unquote secure than in St. Louis. And I'm trying to figure out whether that's an allusion to the fact that it's being put in North St. Louis and they're trying to make kind of almost a quasi crime argument there or something. I'm sure you've heard that. Did you kind yes. of get that perception as well, that that's the, that's the infer, in, inference that they're making I there? think that's exactly what they were trying to do. But I will tell you that their security uh, persons came in town, people came in town, talked directly to our chief. They, they reviewed everything. They said there's no security issue in the city of St. Louis that they're concerned about. There is none. Now, by the way, uh, they have very high security themselves, of course. It's a it's an intelligence agency right. for the government. I was and, say. And, uh, but they've, they've worked with our police department before. They've been in the city for 72 years. They're happy being in the city, and that's not an issue is what we're, we're, we're told. Okay, in the, last few, in the last few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about the future of what is now called the Edward Jones Dome. I think it's going to be called nothing after March 31st. <laughs> before we do that, I want to kind of get us, give, give our listeners a sense of where we are now and where we were a year ago. I'm going to play two clips back to back, and they're both of you. Um, the first is you talking at an event in 2015 when the Rams were still in contention to be here. Professional football is an important quality to have in a city if you want to improve the quality of life. Um, major cities that have major football uh, teams in their cities, like the city of St. Louis, uh, are b- very pleased to have them, and there's something that we that we cherish and something that we want to keep going far into the future. And now this is a clip right after the NFL owners voted to let the Rams move to Inglewood, California. It's very, very disappointing, um, but it is, it is what it is. We're, we're going to move forward. Um, we, will, um, we will do very well without NFL football in St. Louis. Now, I understand the position you were in as the mayor that, you know, if a team is leaving, you can't just say, put up your hands and not do anything. I'm not naive about the situation, but I covered this story for a year, and I heard over and over again from people how important the NFL was to both the city's economy and its identity. And afterwards, I heard a lot of people basically saying, well, the Rams were terrible, good riddance, the owner's terrible as well. (laughs) I I, would like you to kind of address that, because I'd like to know if you ever thought the NFL was that valuable in the first place, given that you've made some statements that in, inferred that it was. Yeah, well, I think the statements were both consistent. I was disappointed that we sure. lost, the, yeah. lost the Rams. Yeah. You know, I mean, it does have an impact on your identity. It has an impact on your momentum and other things. I mean, I, I, I was around, I see mayor from other cities. They say, oh, mayor, we're really sorry. How, you know, what's going to happen in the city now? So that is something to have uh, a level of concern about. But, hey, you know what? Cities are, are, um, are very um, 
I mean, there th- things are always happening. There's a lot of dynamics, and you know what we need to do is we just need to move forward. Okay, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. Yeah. Th- that they've really given us a lot of opportunities here. And that now was, that they're yeah. not here, we can focus on our convention center, mm-hmm. Scott Trade. We can focus on bringing an MLS team here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things, and we're going to be working on all those things as well. So hey, you know what? Did I want to keep them? Yes. Uh, or is it is it the end of the world that they're gone? Absolutely not. In fact, if you do the math, mm-hmm. they only played football in the dome. Uh, the do- the ball was actually in play only about two hours a year. Yeah, and I do want to look forward, <laughs> though, because right now you have the Dome. It's not lying vacant. I mean, the, there are events there. There are conventions, trade shows, yeah. monster truck rallies. You know, there was a boat show that was really awesome. But I think from talking with Kitty Ratcliffe, I'm going to play a clip right now, even though they're going to still be able to put events in this facility According to her, there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done. Here's what she had to say to me, uh, I think, about a week or two ago. Well, it's, it's a big building, um, and it's, it's not going to be cheap to, to make the improvements. And so um, that, that, that will be a tough ask uh, specifically of the state, I think. Um, it'll, be, it'll be harder, although there's a demonstrated return on that. But if we don't do it, we're going to continue to decline in terms of our ability to compete. So in that interview, she mentioned to me that she's talked with you. She's talked with St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger about eventually putting some sort of public infusion of funds into the convention center. Where does that stand right now? I know it's very preliminary, but what is it going to take from a taxpayer-funded perspective to make sure as many events are going into that facility okay. as possible? Uh, a couple things. First of all, um, the... Uh, the whole thing about, uh, the, first of all, the convention center itself, the convention and tourism in the, in the city of St. Louis, and the St. Louis region for that matter, is a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, we're, we're competing with other cities. People come in here for conventions. They fill up the hotels. They spend a lot of money from out of town. Uh, it is, from an economic development standpoint, from an economic standpoint, it, it's bigger than football. Okay, it is. Uh, Kitty and I have uh, gone to cities uh, to visit their convention centers to see kind of what our competition is. And... Our competition is 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 really uh, good. I mean, it's it's tough competition. So Very we tough. need to do something to bring our uh, um, our facility up. Without football, it makes it it makes it easier because before the dome was for six months, it was pretty much dark because it was the football season and pretty much could not uh, put anything in there for that period of time. Virtually nothing. So now it gives us an opportunity, and it's going to take some creativity with from engineers and, and designers and, and experts and Kitty being involved in it as well. And so we're talking about a very substantial investment in our convention center, and at this time I'm not at, uh, in a position to be able to even estimate yeah. exactly what she that's going to cost. She wasn't either. She, did, she couldn't put a price tag, but it's going to be – I would not be surprised if it's in the several hundred million dollar expansion or, or refurbishment, but continue. Now, um, as, as you're dealing with – post rams um granted there weren't conventions here while i mean at the center while they were playing but still there was kind of this cachet has that affected you know as people check into what cities they're going to do a convention i mean have you gotten any sense if there's either been more interest or less interest or if it's about the same any difference since the the rams news kitty uh kitty could uh um address that uh, more directly than I can. I, I, it's hard for me to speak about that. I mean, I can't, at this point, uh, conventions are pretty much, um, they're scheduled years Correct. in advance in yes. many cases. She you know, mentioned three years, 12 years, 10 years in advance uh, in some cases. 
So she could probably answer that better than I can. I can tell you that um, I know this, you know, more so than anything that happened with the Rams, the thing that we have to be concerned about is being able to provide a facility that competes with other cities right now, apart from football. And the Rams being gone gives us a real opportunity to make more and better use of that facility year-round. Do you think that there may be some skittishness to support increased public financing after the Rams stadium situation fell through? Um, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think every single um, thing that we try to finance publicly, um, you know, it has to be explained to the public and has to be uh, justified. And the convention center, by the way, is a it's we own it. I mean, the, we mean the uh, the CBC, the CBC which and, is a public entity, and the, the, the dome's owned by I guess the state or the uh, the, the sports the RSA, authority yes. RSA. So the thing is that this is an asset for us. We have to make the best use of it, and it does generate a lot of income positively for the state and the city and, now, the, and the county. Now, as a young man, you were a big soccer star. So any thoughts about this whole effort now to try to get a soccer team? I'm very excited about it. It's uh, I really am uh, thrilled. This is and has been a soccer town for a long, long time. I, we've, we've shown that when we have quality games in the city, we pack these uh, we pack the games. I know it, they had uh, one at the Dome where we had 54,000 people mm-hmm. sitting in there. Uh, this is very exciting to, me. exciting to me. There's other cities. Kansas City's done a great job with theirs in Seattle and Minneapolis and some others. Um, but we're um, we're gonna we're looking at uh, attracting MLS, MLS. They're very interested in the city. We're interested with them, and we're looking working with them on finding a location. Last question: Will you be running for a super duper ultra historic <laughs> fifth term next year? Yes. Yes. What What do you expect that campaign to bring? Uh, I guess we well, don't. There's no. There's nobody who has come out to say that they're going to oppose you. But you had a very vigorous fourth term reelection campaign. Should we expect a fifth one? A, a, a vigorous fifth. Oh yeah. One? We. You know. I don't take this job for granted. And and I actually do like campaigning. Um, and um, it really gives me an opportunity to really talk uh, even more so and more often about all the all the things we're working on. I mean, you look at all these major challenges that we have just within a short period of time. We have – I have in place a staff and a cabinet. They're, they're, they're second to none. They're outstanding. They're smart. They work hard. Uh, it's, it's not just me and city government. And it's a diverse group of individuals as well that represents our community overall. We're taking a lead regionally on a lot of things, and we've addressed a lot of tough issues, some of which we're, we're, we're talking about here. This stuff is not easy stuff. Having the experience, having the talent uh, really helps us um, – you know, we're in a position to really tackle these issues very effectively. Now, um, you're also a supporter of Hillary Clinton for president. Yes. I mean, you've been active in some previous uh, presidential elections for various Democrats. How active do you think you're going to be this time? Do, do you think she has any chance of carrying Missouri? Or were, was it your job just to help her win the primary? And, and just for yeah. our listeners, you were actually a supporter back in 2008. So you have like ultra super credibility to keep <laughs> using these superlatives. But continue. No, I, I get involved. First of all, I'm a big fan of Hillary Clinton. We can talk about that for a long time. But I, I get involved in these races because it, it helps keep St. Louis relevant in Washington. And it makes a difference. When you have a mayor that, that knows the president, it makes a difference. And, um, and so I'm doing this for, for, uh, for the people of St. Louis, and I'm doing it for the, for the country as well. I think she'd be a great president. I think she's got the most experience. She's tough. She's, she can stand up to just about any kind of challenge that, that's thrown at her uh, as strong as, as, she's, as, she, uh, you know, as, as she started. 
and uh, I'm excited about it. And yes, uh, I think Hillary will carry Missouri. Really? You heard it here first. We will. We will. We will have to see if your prediction is correct, uh, especially. Uh, considering we don't know who the Republican nominee is. But that's for another show. <laughs> We've packed a lot into 43 minutes. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor, for joining us today for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Joe is on Twitter at... Jay Manis. It's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And you can follow the mayor's excellent Twitter account at... At Mayor Slay. Thank you very much. Until next time, so long. So long.